We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to The Truth Perspective on the Soft Radio Network, the world for people who think. Hello and welcome to The Truth Perspective on the Salt Radio Network. I'm Neil Bradley, my co-host this week, Joe Quinn. Hi there. And Harrison Keeley. Hello, everyone. We have a guest with us today, Alex Craner. Alex is a hedge fund manager based in Monaco. He has written a book on his trade, Mastering Uncertainty in Commodities Trading, and maintains a blog called, one word, The Naked Hedgie, H-E-D-G-I-E dot com. It's his most recent book, however, that got our attention, The Killing of William Browder, Deconstructing Bill Browder's Dangerous Deception. To give you an overview of what the book's about, I'm going to quote Alex himself from a recent article he wrote. My book's main object is to unmask Browder's brazen and dangerous deception. Beyond this, I've also sought to put his story into proper context by including a rather detailed account of the relevant events that led to the collapse of the USSR, Russia's subsequent transition from communism to capitalism, and what 17 years of Vladimir Putin's leadership have changed. I've also included included a section discussing the person and character of Vladimir Putin, since Browder relentlessly demonized him. The book's last chapter discusses the history of relations between the U.S. and Russia from the beginnings of the 19th century, including the U.S. Civil War, when Russia came to Abraham Lincoln's aid and play the key role in preserving the Union and what the future relations between the U.S. and Russia might or should be. I can only add that I found this book to be, among other things, a superb summary of, of Russia-related events, indeed from the collapse of the USSR through to its revival today. So without further ado, hello and warm welcome to you, Alex Kreiner. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. Now, Alex, I would tell listeners at this point to go and check out your book on Amazon, where I purchased a Kindle copy some months ago, but it's no longer there. What happened? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, apparently, the book uh, uh, attracted the attention of uh, William Browder and his people, and as they do, they moved very swiftly and efficiently to quash it, squash it, and to remove it from Amazon so that it can no longer be purchased on any site, including Amazon itself. Uh, basically, what happened is, uh, I think that sometimes uh, mid-September, a gentleman named Jeremy Kuzmarov wrote, uh, picked up the book, read it, and then uh, wrote an article about it on uh, Huffington Post. And uh, somebody on Facebook or Twitter alerted me to the article, so I looked it up and uh, I was pleased that somebody finally uh, saw the book and uh, said something about it. But uh, within hours, literally, the the article was uh, pulled down. And uh, I think at that point, uh, Browder and his people were alerted to the book's existence. And within a week, pretty much, they uh, uh, I was contacted by CreateSpace, this is the this is Amazon's publishing arm, and they told me that they uh, suppressed the book because 
a party claimed that the book may contain defamatory content, and the party was Bill Browder's legal representative, Jonathan Weiner. And so Jonathan Weiner basically wrote a, wrote a letter uh, to CreateSpace, and CreateSpace, no questions asked, removed the book from circulation, and uh, informed me that I had to work with the disputing party in order to clear up any <coughs> issues. And once CreateSpace has um, agreement from both parties, uh, then we can put the book put put the book back on uh, on sale, which in essence means that I needed to obtain Bill Browder's consent to publish my book, which I imagine he would give if I changed the content a little bit, like maybe saying that you know Russia is bad and Vladimir Putin is even evil, and Bill Browder is a fearless uh, fighter for justice and mm. human rights. Mm. But uh, that's not how I understand the situation. So I, I, I wrote back to, to CreateSpace and I said, I said, I have no intention of doing this. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to put up a website where the book will be um, available in electronic format. And in the meantime, uh, I've, I've been giving uh, the, the, the PDF file of the book uh, to people who requested uh, basically by email. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we uh, we know a bit about that. We've had a very similar experience. Uh, myself and Neil wrote a book uh, um, that was also suppressed uh, by CreateSpace, and, and I love oh, that really? term. I I love that term when I saw it in the listing of the books. You know, suppressed. Yeah. It's very yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very Orwellian. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, Orwellian, and I think that uh, I think that in the in the normal function of the justice system, as I understand it, if, if some book defame somebody um, in in an unjustifiable way, then that somebody should probably uh, have a recourse against the author, mm-hmm. taken to court, perhaps have the court p- provide proof in court that the content is defamatory and that it's mm-hmm. uh, untrue, and then perhaps with the court document, with the with the with the resolution, with the judgment go to the publisher and say okay this book can no longer be published it's a it's a it's a it's it published uh, it it's telling falsehoods to the public mm-hmm. but here apparently if you can afford a lawyer right uh, you're good they they just take it down no questions asked and uh, it's down to us mm-hmm. authors to to beg for permission to print from the people that mm-hmm. we write about so that's i think that's a little bit absurd yeah, it's totally absolutely. Absurd. Or in in your case, to, to effectively publish it for free, they they at least ensure that you yeah. do not derive income. Yeah, from it. exactly. Which I think that you know, if I I I I am lucky that I don't you know like I don't depend on the revenue from the book sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you know like for for an author who depends on that revenue this is this is extremely it's horrible intimidating and so i think that if this system is left to uh, to exist as is uh, it will lead to to, to self censorship people will just write about kittens and and uh, yeah you know and how evil putin is irrelevant yeah. stuff yeah and and obviously everything that the establishment approves of how evil putin is and uh, how bad russia is and how we need to go to war against them for some good reason mm. All right, well, um, 
just getting on to our our topic here, Alex, is uh, just for those for people who don't necessarily know who um, Bill Browder and what the Magnitsky Act is. Could you give a brief um, brief rundown, and then we can get into the details? Sure. Yeah. So Bill Browder is an American uh, was an American citizen originally who went to Russia in the mid 1990s in 96 set up a hedge fund called Hermitage Capital Management, which uh, eventually became the largest foreign-owned hedge fund operating in Russia and investing in Russian uh, stocks and bonds. And uh, he mm, got kicked out of Russia in November of 2005 uh, uh, with the explanation that somebody in their state security apparatus declared him a national security threat. And uh, from that point, he went from one of uh, Vladimir Putin's loudest cheerleaders to one of his fiercest critics, or as he likes to call himself, Vladimir Putin's enemy number one. Mm. And uh, his activism um, kind of gathered steam starting in I would say maybe 2010 or so, and he started lobbying um, the United States Congress to pass the Magnitsky Act. And the Magnitsky Act is uh, a piece of legislature that uh, ostensibly sanctions a group of Russian officials who were deemed to be involved in the death of Sergei Magnitsky. Sergei Magnitsky uh, worked for William Browder in helping him set up uh, a network of Russian uh, legal entities, companies through which Browder's fund invested in Russian companies. And the, the, uh, this setup was intended to minimize Browder's uh, tax bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on review, it turned out that the scheme that Magnitsky set up was illegal in Russia. And so uh, Russian courts ruled that Browder's companies uh, owed additional taxes. Uh, instead of paying the taxes, Browder uh, bankrupted the two or three entities in question, uh, which triggered... Uh, investigations in Russia first at the local level in this region called Kalmykia where the where the entities were registered and where they were entitled to entitled to beneficial tax treatment and subsequently at the federal level um, these uh, these investigation ultimately these investigations ultimately led to uh, Warren for Browder's arrest that he was uh, tried in absentia in 2003 and convicted of tax fraud I think to nine years in prison, and uh, Sergei Magnitsky uh, was detained in 2008, I think, or 2009, uh, in these investigations. Uh, Sergei Magnitsky ended up dying in prison in after about 11 months of detainment, um, but he was not found innocent. Of uh, of this tax fraud. Now that's I'm careful in choosing the words I use to to describe this because there are, there are certain legal legal finesses of the Russian 
Russian legal system, which I, I took pains to understand, and I, 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 I do understand them, but it will be, it will be a bit uh, uh, complex to convey uh, in this brief summary. So basically, I'll just say that uh, Browder then took up uh, the Magnitsky cause, and uh, pretending that Sergei Magnitsky was his lawyer who uncovered uh, a tax fraud for which Browder accuses the uh, Russian state actors. Um, he said that then Magnitsky, because he uncovered this tax fraud, was arrested and killed in prison so to keep him, uh, to, 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 to shut him up. Mm. And so from there starts his whole big uh, lobbying effort to convince Western government that there's massive infringement on hu of human rights in Russia, that his lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, was killed in a Russian, in a Russian prison, that he was beaten by eight uh, police officers in full riot gear for one hour and 18 minutes until he died. And this, uh, you know, that the United States, simply out of moral rectitude and superiority, had to sanction this in order to support human rights uh, in Russia. Uh, I think, to my mind, uh, there's only one possible explanation for the Magnitsky legislature, which not only passed U.S. Congress in 2012, but also now in Canada and, uh, I think, Latvia in the European how do you call it, Council of Europe and uh, mm -hmm. in Canada, if I didn't mention. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I think that what it does is th it, it, it throws up uh, legal barriers to Russian investigations into, into all these uh, frauds and theft, theft of uh, Russian property. So mm -hmm. basically, that's where Bill Browder fits. He's the hedge fund, he's a former hedge fund manager who ran into legal trouble in Russia and he turned the tables on Russians and is he's trying to accuse them practically of the exact same things that they have convicted him of. Hmm. Well, you mentioned um, at the beginning of your, your explanation there that, uh, that Browder had turned, kind of transformed from one of Putin's biggest supporters to one of his biggest critics. Um, now, I thought that was a very interesting bit of the story. Maybe could you could you talk a bit about uh, a bit about Browder's initial, um, you know, public statements on Putin and Russia, and and how and why they changed. And maybe you can talk about your your personal interactions with Browder um, as you do that. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly the interesting thing because I let's say prior to meeting Browder, and when I say meeting Browder, I I don't want to imply that he and I met. I was just, uh, he was making a presentation about his fund and his investing, and uh, I was one of uh, maybe 20 or 30 people present at the event. Uh, and the, the, the thing that was remarkable for me, because I, I think that up to that point, I just uh, essentially um, kind of passively believed the the, Russia, the narrative about Russia as, as I received it from the mainstream media, you know, reading, reading Western newspapers and watching, watching television news, you know. So I had a very negative perception about Russia, and uh, I also particularly had a negative idea about Vladimir Putin. And then I went to Browder's presentation uh, almost by accident, and this was the first time in my life that I heard somebody authoritatively speaking 
about Vladimir Putin in positive terms. And so what, what I mean to say by that is that Browder was uh, walking us through uh, uh, his, his investment strategy, which was essentially to research and then publicize um, corruption in major Russian corporations uh, in order to boost their, the, 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 their stock price. So basically, he would invest in, uh, in Russian companies. Uh, his team, he and his team uh, then investigated the corruption and exposed it uh, with the idea that once the corruption is, uh, is cleaned up, that the value of the stock shares would go up. So he explained how every time uh, they exposed corruption that these major companies like uh, Gazprom and uh, United uh, UES, the, the electricity uh, monopoly, and Sberbank, uh, Vladimir Putin's government would come in and they would uh, take measures to clean up the corruption. They they fired in some cases they fired the uh, the executives and changed uh, change the executive suite. And then, indeed, the, 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 the share price of the companies would go up. So I always believed, I always thought that Vladimir Putin was the protector of uh, this whole corruption, corruption network of oligarchs in, in Russia. So when I heard that he was actually taking steps to clean up corrupt, corruption, I thought that, oh, wow, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the, 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 there's a negative bias was Russia and Vladimir Putin in the in the Western press. So this is this is the point in time when I started paying attention to what was even going on there. So it was Browder who alerted me to this, and he was he was really he was uh, speaking very positively about Putin. I saw later in various uh, newspaper articles that he was doing the same. He was praising him. Uh, he was justifying the authoritarianism as something that was necessary, given the cir circumstances of lawlessness in Russia and so forth. And so, uh, basically, the fact that he became Vladimir Putin's uh, main critic, or his enemy number one, as he likes to say, is uh, is the interesting bit about himself. But uh, I think that what ha what what changed isn't uh, Vladimir Putin himself, but uh, I think that what happened is that Willi uh, William Browder kind of thought that as as a loud cheerleader as a foreigner and a loud cheerleader for Putin, that he could maybe skirt the law in Russia, that he could do, that he could get away with, with things that uh, he shouldn't be able to get away with. And then when he got the boot from Russia, then he, he turned around and uh, mm. started lobbying against uh, Vladimir yeah. Putin. Yeah. And, and you uh, ex you ex sorry, Harrison, uh, just on that point, you explain in the book that one of the ironies here of Browder labeling himself uh, number one enemy of Putin is that it, w it was not Putin's doing to kick him out of the country, right? It's 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 uh, probable no, that no, it was. Putin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you're you're completely right. Uh, this is this is something that happens somewhere within the guts of uh, Russian state security apparatus. Uh, to this day, it's not it's not exactly clear who or why arranged to have his visa revoked and thrown out of the country. I think that Putin became aware of uh, uh, Bill Browder as a person at all, his name, uh, much much later into the game. And I think I think this was no 
mm. maybe in uh, maybe in 2006 because uh, that's where I think Putin mentions my name for the first time uh, mm. at the at the Saint, Saint Petersburg G8 meeting. Mm. Yeah, and this was a, and but, this was in response to a journalist's question. He didn't raise it, raise the issue himself. Yes, someone had actually leaked it to Western Press. And that's how it became an issue that he had to respond to Putin. Uh, yes, yes, correct, correct. It seems it seems to me that it's <clears throat> difficult to kind of divorce this case of, of Bill Bird and what he was doing in Russia from the kind of well-known, I suppose, relatively well-known case of of, of Putin uh, after coming to power and then <clears throat> taking action against these, uh, you know, uh, Russian oligarchs. Who were kind of attempting to loot the country, like the most well-known of them being Kodorkovsky. Uh, how do I pronounce his name? Kodorkovsky. Yeah. Sorry. Kodorkovsky. Yeah. He's the most well-known. So, I mean, and, and a lot of people, I think, recognize, or at least some people, anyway, accept the fact that Putin probably did a good job because there were these oligarchs who, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, went to work basically trying to, uh, you know, make themselves extremely wealthy. Um, by uh, by taking control of big industries in 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 Russia, and I mean this to me, this William Browder business seems to be just he just happens to be an American who was kind of doing the same thing, and and he he shouldn't have been doing it, and he was he was booted out, and everything is just uh, since then is kind of sour grapes, you know, um, because he wasn't allowed to do what no no Russian was allowed to do, and he and, and Browder was an American, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, it's interesting that it comes. I mean, 2012 was very interesting because, effect, effectively, this Magnitsky Act was the first major salvo in terms of Russian sanctions. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's. I think that that uh, the Magnitsky Act is essentially where the new Cold War started. Right. Hmm. And beginning of the Cold War. In 2012, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. And that's right before Ukraine. Uh, one year before Ukraine. It's all very. Mm, the timeline of, of it is is all very interesting. Um, um, but this, just just speaking about Bill Browder, does he have any? Because um, it's hard to see what he's what he did and what he's been doing since. Uh, hard to divorce that from um, from the official U.S. government policy towards Russia, which is rapidly anti-Putin and anti-Russia. So, does Bill Browder, to your knowledge, have any connections, ins with uh, people in the uh, in the U.S. government? Or anywhere else within the U.S. establishment. Well, uh, he clearly has connections with the people in the U.S. government, but it's very difficult to say whether those connections came before uh, his after. whole uh, lo lobbying campaign for for right. the Magnitsky legislation or after. Um, mm -hmm. I I don't you know there's a lot of speculation on the internet that uh, Bill Browder is a CIA asset or a MI6 mm -hmm. asset or so forth. I don't know whether that's the case or not, and I ultimately believe that it's a, it's an irrelevant point. I think that uh, behind the curtains of the of the of the global power system, there's a structure of power that relies on uh, on these intelligence agencies to do their uh, illegal work, right? Things that they cannot uh, do through legal. Uh, acts of Congress or uh, laws and so forth. They, you know, like essentially people who who can kneecap uh, others, who can kidnap children and uh, assassinate individuals. 
as needed. So my speculation, and it really is speculation. I don't have, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't prove this. Um, is that Bill Browder mix uh, is 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 a is an official is a, is an actor within uh, this network, and that this network helps him do what he does, and that if if whatever their agenda is requires cooperation and assistance from MI6 or CIA or the Mossad or the French intelligence or German intelligence or whoever, then that's arranged. But whether he's, uh, you know, on their payroll, whether he gets to, you know, stamp his time card every morning, uh, I, I, I don't think that's the case, and I don't think it's relevant either. I think it's more relevant to understand his role uh, in the bigger agenda and what the bigger agenda is. And uh, my sense about the bigger agenda is basically what happened during the 1990s when the Russia went from uh, communism to capitalism, quote-unquote. Uh, there was a massive, massive transfer of wealth from Russia to the West. So Western financial institutions and some government organizations like the United States Treasury and the State Department, um, USAID, uh, International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, uh, and so forth, they arranged this massive transfer of ownership over Russian assets to the Western hands. Some of it illegally, some of them legally, uh, but they they so completely um, infiltrated uh, the Russian government that they made laws that suited this purpose. And so uh, between 200 and 600 billion, you know, depending on who you ask, between 200 and 600 billion of, of Russian... Uh, assets uh, were moved to Western ownership. And uh, wow. Bill Browder himself made, I think, maybe a hundred million dollars, uh, maybe a few hundred million dollars, I mean, for himself, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, the reason why his ability to frustrate Russian investigation of this tax fraud and, and theft of uh, Russian assets that he was involved with at the same time protects all of the people and organizations like, uh, like I don't know, Barclays Bank and HSBC and uh, Bank of New York and uh, who knows who else. Uh, it's, it's creating legal immunity from prosecution for all of them. So not just Browder's few hundred million, but up to 600 billion of stolen assets. So that when Russians go to uh, Western courts, they are obstructed. Because what, what happens if Russians hire, uh, let's say, high street legal teams to investigate these things? They will, they will uh, depose uh, actors <coughs> in these events. They will uh, depose witnesses. Uh, all of these depositions will go on records. There will be freedom of information um, requests made. So a lot of documents are going to come out in the open. And so little by little, you know, uh, Russians would perhaps be able to reverse some of this theft. But if they're frustrated at every step of the way and they can't even get, you know, like now apparently Browder's legal team managed to uh, frustrate their uh, Russian investigation into, into the Cyprus uh, legal entities through which uh, 
Browder's company and HSBC were uh, laundering money out of Russia, mm. uh, then it's very, very difficult for Russians to uh, get all these um, right. investigations wound up. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it's one of the things they use is that at this point, I mean, I know that uh, Russia has asked for Interpol to, uh, to put the Browder on a list, basically, so he can be brought to justice, yeah, basically, five, because they're... Right, and uh, and but every time the answer is uh, no, sorry, that's a politically motivated uh, kind of claim or accusation. So everything that would happen around uh, this topic of you know American U.S. theft of Russian assets, and if there's anybody identified, uh, and Russia asks for them to be to be brought to, to to court or whatever, they would say no, sorry, that's just politically motivated because it's all politically motivated now, right? Everything between Russia and the U.S. is political. Well, yeah, except it should, you know, by by uh, by the Interpol Treaty, it shouldn't be that way. You know, if if uh, if a country convicts somebody of a crime um, right. through their courts and they're signatories to the to these uh, to these uh, international treaties, then the other countries have to respect the the arrest warrant and extradite the person. The whole the whole point of it is to disallow people to commit crime in one country, then move to the other country, and then be legally in the clear. Uh, but uh, for some reason, and I think that the reason is, is at least vaguely um, discernible, uh, Bill Browder is in this network where laws don't apply to them. Right. <clears throat> Indeed. You mentioned um, an interesting couple of interviews that Bill Browder had in the U.S. while he was still there. Um, can you explain what that was about? I think there were cases where he was indirectly involved and he was interviewed. Um, yeah, just, uh, just one second. For, Before, forgive me, I didn't understand the question. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, we'll get Neil to rephrase it in a sec. I just want to um, say one thing. First of all, Alex, um, we're getting some, some scratching noises from your mic. Um, I'm just wondering if you maybe you're too close to the mic or there's something going on next to it. But... Uh, we're getting a little uh, bit of noise. Not sure. Okay, maybe my, microso my microphone is uh, rubbing against my, my clothes as I'm moving around. Yeah. Okay, is, it, is this better now? Yeah, yeah I think so. Okay, okay, yeah, it must have been rubbing against my clothes. <laughs> okay, or your beard. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm going to try okay. and rephrase my question a bit. Yeah, please. Um, it was the deposition. Bill Browder was, he was a U.S. citizen. He's not anymore. He's now a UK citizen. But just prior to that, was he investigated or interviewed by US authorities concerning his uh, business? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not aware of it. I just know that uh, he changed, uh, he uh, renounced US citizenship in 1998, just after uh, the, the American tax system, tax rules changed. And now Americans working abroad had to report their worldwide income. So at this point, I think that Browder would become uh, liable for taxes, uh, tax liable for income he, he made uh, in Russia or UK. And I think that this is the reason why he renounced his US citizenship. And then he was, uh, I think in some, uh, the IRS put him on some name and shame list of people who renounced citizenship in order to ditch uh, ditch paying taxes but whether he was investigated for it or or anything like that i honestly have no idea 
Well, hmm. but there there was the um, um, the thing that you talk about in the book where I believe it was in the case against um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right the the Russian company Para Parazivan or Parazivan I think Pravazan yeah where there was he was involved he was basically uh, involved in this lawsuit and the lawyers um, you know on the opposite side of him were trying to depose him and had some trouble getting a hold of him maybe um, could you what well, well um, could you describe a bit about that process because what you show in the book is that basically you know in in his book uh, red notice i believe was the name of of yeah that bill browder wrote you know giving his side of the story um that was pretty much the only thing in the public domain where people could go for you know for information on it and of course it's the kind of go-to source for anyone in the western media or any westerners in general but then um, when he was deposed um he's ended up or a lot of things ended up being revealed in this deposition um, that kind of brought into question a lot of the things that he wrote in his book. So maybe uh, you could talk a little bit about that um, that deposition process and the kind of things that were exposed uh, once he was eventually deposed. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so basically the, the, this was a case of uh, United States versus Prevazon Holdings. Uh, Prevazon Holdings was, um, or maybe still is, a uh, uh, a company owned by one Denis Katsiv, a, a Russian national. Uh, he was the son of the general uh, of the CEO of Russian. Um, how do you call it? The 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 rail the rail network in Russia. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I honestly don't know how this happened, but basically what happened is that. Bill Browder, he was not involved in the suit, but he went to the U.S. attorney's office in, in New York and uh, brought them the the evidence, quote-unquote evidence, uh, implicated uh, implicating David Katziv in the tax fraud for which he was accusing the Russian state uh, a network of individuals within the Russian state, okay? So basically what he was saying is that Denis Katsiv, through his Prevazan company, was the beneficiary of this tax fraud. And just to briefly explain the tax fraud, uh, what Browder is uh, alleging is that the Russian state, the the, the network of people within the Russian state, uh, stole uh, his his investment companies, his Russian investment companies, that they re-registered them to uh, different owners. Uh, and then they fraudulently um, zeroed out the profits that they had uh, during 2006, I think, about $1 billion worth of profits. And then because they showed then subsequently that the profits of these companies were zero where they should have been uh, something short of a billion dollars, they went to the Russian treasury and they said like, well, you know, the taxes we paid on these profits, we don't actually owe those taxes, so please reimburse us. And so at that point, the Russian treasury reimbursed uh, these companies $230 million. And then these $230 million quickly vanished offshore. And so Bill Browder is accusing uh, Russian corrupt government officials for perpetrating this tax fraud. And then he Mm. alleged that part of this money was uh, divided 
part of, part of the money was uh, transferred to Dennis Katsiv to his to his Prevazan account of his Prevazan company, and so he went to the U.S. attorneys and said, like, hey, look, he's one of these uh, corrupt bastards uh, who received money from this tax fraud, and uh, here's the documents I have, and basically completely on uh, Bill Browder's allegations without any due diligence whatsoever. U.S. attorneys in the in the Southern District of New York um, filed a case, uh, a civil forfeiture case against Prevazan. So basically, they were they wanted to take their money, right? Mm. And so uh, Katziv then hired uh, a legal team, which then wanted to depose Bill Browder because he was the source of the allegations, not because he was involved in the suit at all. Mm. And uh, Bill Browder uh, tried very, very hard, hard never to be deposed uh, on record, and uh, his lawyers fought uh, against this deposition for nearly two years. Uh, he was mm, doing everything he could to physically avoid being uh, served the subpoena papers. And so um, he was uh, he was served apparently several times and once in once in Aspen, Colorado, and uh, then the judge ruled that the subpoena wasn't served properly because um, even though Browder has a home in Aspen, Colorado, he doesn't live or work there. But then uh, I think six months later, uh, he was deposed he was he was served the subpoena papers in New York and this was recorded on video so that they could you know they could prove it and this video is available on uh, on YouTube somewhere where uh, a, a process server approached Bill Browder introduced himself gave him the the subpoena papers uh, while he was sitting in a limo after he had an interview for I think the nightly show or something like that and uh, on the video, you see that Bill Browder opens the, the door on the opposite side of the limo and literally runs away through, through traffic on foot. <laughs> and so you see that he's, uh, you know, like this is, this is, this is not a, a normal behavior of a, of a person who has nothing to hide, obviously. He's, uh, mm -hmm. He has a lot to hide. So he was trying very hard to avoid being served uh, the subpoena papers and to be forced to be deposed. But this time, the judge ruled that the subpoena papers were served properly and then he had to show up for deposition in New York and uh, he was deposed and for one full day for seven hours he was being cross-examined by Dennis Katziv, Prevazon's uh, lawyers who I think have done a fantastic job because they, they were very prepared they asked him very, very probing questions they obviously had uh, original Russian court documents and uh, various other materials translated uh, to English, and I I I put myself through reading the full 300 and some pages, 360 some pages of this deposition, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing document because you see that Bill Browder is just a, a, a super super dodgy character. He doesn't know anything. He has no answer to any questions. He doesn't recall anything. I think he said, "I don't I don't know" or "I don't recall" something like two hundred times. Uh, he claims not to be an expert on anything, essentially, except for geopolitics. And so he he makes himself. Uh, look 
like a super dodgy person, somebody who obviously uh, is not clean, who obviously has a hidden agenda and who's obviously hiding uh, the truth. Uh, worse than that, uh, I had, after I read the, the deposition, I had a very strong suspicion that he was actually directly or indirectly responsible for uh, his quote-unquote lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, getting arrested uh, in Russia. And uh, I think that the intent was for, Magnit for Magnitsky to take the fall for the tax mm -hmm. fraud that Bill Browder perpetrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so the guy he's running around defending and using as a means to attack Russia... Yeah, Bill correct. Browder is used. It uh, sounds like he is a suspect in setting him up. Yeah, well, yeah, well, Bill Browder is now using uh, Sergei Magnitsky because Sergei Magnitsky died in a Russian prison, hmm. and that's clearly a bad thing. Russians messed up uh, big time by allowing Sergei Magnitsky to die in prison because, first of all, he was their key witness because all other key employees mm -hmm. uh, that Browder had in Russia fled the country. He, uh, Sergei Magnitsky is the only one who didn't and I think that the reason why he was detained and arrested was so that he wouldn't uh, escape as well but now that Sergei Magnitsky is dead uh, essentially Bill Browder can say whatever he likes because Sergei Magnitsky cannot, uh, cannot say his side of the story and basically he misrepresents, misrepresents Magnitsky first by claiming that he was his lawyer second by claiming that Sergei Magnitsky was the whistleblower in the tax fraud that Browder claims uh, corrupt officials in Russia perpetrated. And third, he claims that uh, Magnitsky was killed in prison. He wasn't killed. He died apparently through medical neglect. Uh, the story about him being beaten by eight prison guards in full riot gear for one hour and 18 minutes turned out to be impossible because uh, when when where Andrei Nekrasov uh, tried to make his documentary following Bill Browder's uh, narrative, that was that was one of the first clues Nekrasov had that something was wrong with the story because they went to film in the very cell where Magnitsky died, and so when he prepared his his eight riot gear police police officers to bust into the cell and beat uh, Magnitsky to death, he realized that he couldn't possibly fit eight uh -huh. policemen <laughs> into the cell. <laughs> he couldn't fit even seven. And Oops. so there was like, well, uh, ha, these people couldn't enter the cell, let alone spend one hour there beating on poor Magnitsky. And so anyway, you know, uh, Browder is using this narrative to pretend that he is persecuted politically in Russia mm -hmm. and uh, that his actions are predicated on uh, getting justice for his lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I think that his whole construct is false. Is, did, was there any evidence, uh, I mean, or do you think that uh, Magnitsky died as the Russians say he died? Well, okay, so the, the, on, on the account of him being beaten to death, uh, either, even Magnitsky's mother, who saw his body after, after he died, doesn't support this. 
she said herself, no, he wasn't, he wasn't killed, he wasn't beaten. He died because he had uh, certain health problems that went untreated for, for too long. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you know like when when he died she was sh- he was shown the the um, the photographs of his body and she was given the whole file uh, and and the only injuries that are evident on his body are uh, bruises on his knuckles and uh, lacerations on his wrists and you know bruises on your knuckle you can have that by from punching an object, right? You could, right. you know, if you're, you're in prison, you're in pain, you're frustrated, mm-hmm. you might punch the mm-hmm. door or the wall, whatever. So you'll get your knuckles bruised, right? And lacerations on the, on the wrist could be obviously from, uh, from uh, handcuffs, which he was wearing when, when they were taking him to court and here and there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if, if eight riot gear police officers beat him for an hour and 18 minutes, as, as Browder claims, they wouldn't just beat him on his knuckles and his wrists, right? They would, no. they, his, his whole body would be bruised. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of changed his story along the lines, and he said that uh, actually no Magnitsky died changed, chained to his bed on the floor. But he, you know, uh, I think he got caught in one too many lies, and so his his story keeps keeps kind of subtly changing. In uh, I saw that in because uh, I, I I was able to see um, Andrei Nekrasov's documentary called the uh, Magnitsky Act uh, Magnitsky Act behind the behind the behind scenes. the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And so in this in this film. You see Browder because he's he's uh, he's Nekrasov interviewed him. First said about how he died beaten by eight riot uh, uh, riot police in his cell, uh, but then later tells no, okay, he wasn't beaten. He just died chained on chained to his bed on the lying on the floor. Mm. Uh, so. There's, there's, uh, yeah, and then, and then I think, I think what, what, what the film also shows that the photographs, uh, some of the photographs that, that, uh, that Bill Browder, uh, has been presenting were, were also not, okay, so I'm, I'm talking about one of the, one of the people at, um, Sergei, one, one of, one of Sergei Magnitsky's colleagues who got, uh, who got apparently, allegedly beat up by the police when they raided Magnitsky's offices. Um, a brother presents on one of his websites a photograph that was completely from uh, from from some other event, and I, I don't re- recall what it is. But uh, Andrei Nekrasov uh, found it, and he he showed it that the, the the photographs he shows of his beat up colleague are not those photographs at all. This is something completely different from some from some U.S. Uh, some some U.S. event, and I, I don't. Exactly recall which. Unfortunately, Andrew Nekrasov film is, has also been banned, mm-hmm. as my book has. So, uh, you know, it's another thing that you can't tell your listeners uh, where to go and see it because it's unavailable. Uh, can Do I ask, how did you get to see it? Uh, well, basically, I got, I got in touch with Andrew Nekrasov uh, through some people. And uh, I asked him to if I could see the film, and so they created a private viewing for me through Vimeo. You know, they mm-hmm. they set up the viewing, they give you a password, you type in the password, and then you can uh, you can watch the film. 
And I think that I think that they're pretty open to doing that for other people or on on requests on a case uh, um, one by one okay. basis. What's the official reason why why the movie the, the documentary was banned? Uh, what is the official reason? I'm not sure that there is an official reason. There's a there's a there's this story that it's uh, that it's uh, perpetrating Russian propaganda, something like this. Mm. I'm not it, sure if, the same. if any 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 specific official reason has been has been formulated. But hmm. the, the the way in which it's being banned is similar to yours. It's Bill Browder's legal help that's yes, coming in correct. and telling people correct. you must take this down or else. Yeah, or else mm. we're going to sue you and blah blah blah. And yeah. people get intimidated, you know, because these uh, these lawyers are pretty powerful people. You know, they can make your life miserable for a very very long time. And so people think like, well, you know what? Uh, I like my job. I like my career. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. <clears throat> I wonder would they be liable? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the documentary makers, uh, Krasov, Krasov it would be would be liable if someone else hosted it. You know, or if it would be only, only the people who are hosting it. Uh, I think that their reason is because uh, you know they uh, to make this documentary they took money from various uh, organizations like uh, mm. I don't know what organizations they are exactly but they're various you know human rights and blah 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 because the way Nekrasov started you know he was he was uh, uh, Andrei Nekrasov the filmmaker was a was a critic uh, of uh, of Putin's government and mm -hmm. so when he when he approached this whole project. Uh, he believed uh, Bill Browder's narrative, right? So he believed that Bill Browder was politically persecuted by uh, Putin's government. And so when he started making the film, he followed Bill Browder's uh, narrative. And I think that some of these organizations that gave him money to make this film uh, kind of financed him with the idea that this is going to be an anti-Russia film. And so uh, now they are not letting go of the film. So if, you know, like, I think that uh, they are disallowing um, Andrei Nekrasov and his, his, mm. his team to just put the film on YouTube uh, in public mm. domain and let people, let people see it. They are demanding to be repaid for the money they gave for the, for the film, which is, I don't know how much money, but a substantial amount of money. And uh, Andrei Nekrasov cannot... Uh, meet that uh, that payment mm. so under uh, you know uh, the, the, under the mm, you know under the guise of uh, retaining their intellectual property they're not mm. uh, they're not releasing the film yeah. well the solution the solution to that for Andrew and Krasov is uh, buy is, them out no no it's just in the internet age now is that that the that the documentary somehow gets hacked by Russians or something, I don't know. Somehow or other, it gets on the website. You know, all you have uh, yes, to do. Yes, right. Is, Russians are very good at hacking. We know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So we can use that and say, listen. And I mean, if you give it to someone like us, you know, and we can we can yeah. put it up on various different places on the internet, and then it spreads, you know. And and someone wanting to take it down has a big job to do to get everybody to get all of it removed from the internet, you know. So if he really yeah. wanted to get out there, he could, you know. Uh, I, 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 I suppose you could. I suppose you could. It would be very difficult because, okay. So when when they when they when they release the film for a for a, for an individual viewing, you know, there's a, there's like a watermark mm -hmm. the, throughout the whole film. There's a watermark across the screen that states your name. Mm. Okay. Uh, ah. 
so when I was watching the movie, I had Alex Craner on top of the film. So, you know, like if I wanted to use some funny way of recording what I was viewing and then letting it out, then uh-huh. this would always have my name. They would know, they would know uh, who leaked the film. And then I guess whoever whoever owns the intellectual property rights to the film would uh, would be able to come after me or whoever mm-hmm. tried to leak it. So I guess in this way it's it's kind of well protected. Mm. Uh, wow. But it, it, uh, but hope ho- hopefully hopefully at some point it'll be it'll be released because uh, it speaks volumes it, about the whole story. Yeah, well, uh, yes, I think it speaks it volume wow. about the story that they that they cannot allow a story to be told. To the to the public, hmm. uh, that you know, to the, me, the trailers, to me, and I think yeah. to most people, that says like, okay, so you don't want me to know what this guy has to say, so you have mm-hmm. something to hide, not him. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, I mean, I'm just looking at YouTube right now, and there's um, at least one play. Well, there's a, there's a trailer for the movie. It's just a minute long on YouTube, yeah. and there's also a place where it says full movie. And it's one hour and 19 minutes. Yeah, but no, try clicking through and it's not. It's a placeholder. Oh, okay. I, I've been to a few of them. They're placeholders saying, now go click to this website and it's like porn or oh, spam. Man. It's not, I haven't ah, actually found okay. it yet anywhere. Uh, I have found, I have found the film uh, 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 freely available on, uh, on, uh, on some Russian website, but it's in Russian, right. you know. Okay. There's no subtitles. The whole thing is in Russian. So mm. if you don't, if you don't uh, understand Russian, it will be, it will be difficult to follow. Oh, well, if we get we that, we know people yeah. who know people who can do captions. Mm-hmm. For so example, get a hold of that. for example, yeah, uh, yeah, I could, I could look it up and uh, and I'll I'll send you the link if I find it. Well, put yeah. it this way: if you ever, if 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 we ever get a an email with you know a link to a download website, you know, just to download the movie, then uh, we we have no problem, <laughs> you know, making it available <laughs> for as long as we can, you know. Um, sure. And, and whenever we get the lawyer's letter, then we just kind of like uh, engage in a long protracted email exchange well, of saying, what? What's wrong? Yeah, well, we I didn't know. know. We weren't who? sure. We'll do the Bill Browder routine. Us? Who? What? What's wrong with this? <laughs> and then a week, a week later, we get a response. You know, and then yeah. a year later, we're still discussing it. And, and by that time, it's uh, it's already done, you know. But yeah. 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 Um, yeah but that, I mean, the short version, I suppose, is... Uh, it's pretty horrifying that this. I mean, this guy Bill Browder seems like a thoroughly and a shockingly disreputable character. To be honest, I mean, I've watched a few uh, interviews with him uh, on shows in the U.S. You know, real fawning softball interviews and <clears throat> yeah, with with, yeah. with with U.S. anchors and stuff. Um, but the idea that he would have basically got the 230 million back from uh, the Russian government as you know undue taxes. And then that goes offshore, and then he turns around and accuses the Russian authorities or Putin or whoever of actually stealing that money when it was him who stole it and his his affiliates who stole it. And then also organizing uh, the arrest potentially of Magnitsky and be, therefore being liable in his death. And then turning around and, and, and appearing with Magnitsky's wife and saying, "Oh, the evil Russians! This guy is like talk about having no scruples and no morals at all." And I mean, the guy uh, just doesn't ring true. Look, this uh, this appears to be the case, and I can tell you because I don't I don't know him uh, in in this in this sense personally. But uh, ever since I published the book, I uh, you know like uh, a variety of people have contacted me 
And one of the people who contacted me is a, is a hedge fund manager uh, based in Russia who told me that he knows Bill Browder, that he has, he has worked with him uh, personally uh, in the past. And he told me, look, I can tell you this. He's the, okay, I'm not going to use the F in word, but like he said essentially that he's the most evil person he has ever worked with in, in his entire life. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I mean, so you know, I I, I don't know. I, I I I didn't ask why and how and and, and what, but uh, but uh, it definitely definitely every everything taken into account, we're not looking. We're we're, mm. we're not dealing with a nice person. Definitely. Yeah, and he, and he looks like a. I mean, he comes across as a, as a bit of a. Well, he comes across as a liar, basically, because I mean, his 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 claims that he likes to repeat about. Um, but Putin being the uh, Putin getting a lot of this, you know, get, having enriched himself in the way that Browder enriched himself, basically through through corruption. And right, he claims Putin. He claims Putin did this. Did somebody just get shot? <laughs> no, I I just knocked over a PC. Okay, oh, all right, you. Okay, all we right. got way there. And uh, that that Putin, you know, Putin says, and he claims Putin has, is the richest man in the world with two hundred billion dollars. And, oh, is, this, um, is it only two hundred? I thought it was four hundred billion. Well, he, he makes it up as he goes along, but and then and he also saying he claim he was speaking to some guy in some new show in the U.S. He says that you know whenever whenever we passed whenever the U.S. passed the Magnitsky Act, uh, he said Putin went completely crazy because this you know I mean how does he how does he know Putin went crazy? Putin doesn't seem the kind of guy who would just go crazy like he, he presented this image of Putin just freaking out and wrecking the room or something because of the Magnitsky Act and it's. I mean, the guy just sound. I mean, but then that's what passes for news and truth in, in the U.S. on CNN and stuff, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think you know, like if you're not credulous, if you don't listen to Bill Browder with the idea that he's telling you the truth, if you're like only slightly uh, critical, you realize that his his lying is really childish. Yeah, like the story he tells in, in, in his books, if you if you if you just look at them with a with a with a small grain of salt, you realize that they're actually quite comical. Mm, outlandish. They're out, outlandish. And the one of the funniest thing, okay, so this is this is this is just an aside, but um throughout his book he paints himself as this romantic family man. Hmm. But throughout the book, you see that he's actually quite the opposite of a family man. That he sacrificed his marriage to his um, money management activities in Moscow when his wife was begging him to come back to London and live a normal life. And he says, "Like, no, no, I have to have I have I have an obligation towards my uh, towards my client, and I'm going to stay here." And then she divorces him, and then he tells about his uh, his family vacations where he doesn't spend any time with his children. Because he's busy in conference calls all the time, figuring out what the Russians are up to, mm. and then uh, and then when his uh, when his wife gives birth and he she calls his office to say that she's going into labor and he doesn't call her back one hour for one hour and then when when he does call her he's like oh I thought it wasn't urgent as if he didn't know that he, she she's about to give birth you know and then he has the whole paragraph there describing about how long it takes to get from his office to the hospital. Because it's, it's it's so crowded and there's like you know like you can tell that that paragraph was written for one reason only and that is because he probably got a pile of shit from his wife. 
Right. <laughs> You know, and then, and then he had to write the whole thing about like, oh my God, it's so crowded and taxis can move and all this traffic and I couldn't get to the hospital in time. And then mm. when I got there, everything was already. <laughs> it's I constant. Got there the last time or whatever. So it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's like a high school kid constantly fibbing and spinning tails. Mm. Nonstop perception. Yeah, believing the only way you buy it. Yeah. And the only way you could buy this shit is because if you, if you start, if you start with a book uh, that he writes and you start with the conviction that what he's telling you is the truth, which mm-hmm. is, I think, why the book starts with, with all these blurbs saying that, like, the whole thing is absolutely true. It's all true. It's all true. It's all true. Repetitively mm-hmm. before the book even begins. Well, and, John, uh, and John. I think that this is why the book is, uh, has been so effective, because I think that they've been very, very clever in getting people yes. to kind of suspend, willingly suspend disbelief. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, they say that the best form of defense is attack. And he went on the attack by writing this book, promoting the hell out of it. That's certainly exactly. all over Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone, well, everyone who's in certain circles anyway knows about William Browder and his own self-written, self-authored, glowing report. I mean, it's it's genius in a way. Well, they they have willing, like like uh, Alex said, there's uh, so many people in the U.S. government who are willing and eager to believe the story that he's spinning. You know, uh, certainly John McCain and people like that are, are are very very happy to to believe what he's saying. You know, but it's not just there. Alex sum- summarizes at one point. He writes, "None of Browder's allegations could stand up in a court of law." And I wrote as a note, but they do stand up without any objections whatsoever in the U.S. Congress and the European Parliament. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I think that that's because, you know, uh, uh, people in U.S. Congress take money from lobbyists and uh, right. Bill Browder and whoever is backing him have plenty of that money to uh, right. spray around uh, yeah. the Congress people. So, you know, they will, they will vote uh, the way... In the way of of keeping their lobbyists happy and approving and the money flowing, and I think that uh, I think that I uh, somebody sent me um, some materials to the effect that uh, I don't know about John McCain, but uh, Senator Ben Cardin received money mm-hmm. from Bill Browder in some right. form. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Uh, but uh, apparently, Cardin got well compensated for his uh, mm-hmm. for his backing of Magnitsky Act. Well, the last I heard, um, I think this was a week or two ago, um, and I haven't seen any follow up to it. But apparently, what I read at least was that Bill Browder had his U.S. <clears throat> U.S. visa denied. So he did. You hear about that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, well, basically what happened is the Russians filed their fifth consecutive uh, Interpol arrest warrant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the way it works is uh, that if, 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 if the person is in the United States, uh, the United States automatically uh, void their, their visa. They suspend their visa and, and then they're meant to be arrested and extradited to Russia. That would be the normal course of law. But, uh, in Browder's case, they reinstated his visa, I think, within, within two days. And then in another few days, uh, they, for the fifth consecutive time, um, uh, dismissed uh, Russian, Russian uh, Interpol red notice. Mm. And instead of arresting and extraditing him, 
who do I see pop up in U.S. Congress last year, speaking of lobbyists, but Bill Bratter. He testified in some way concerning Russiagate and Fusion GPS. Do you know mm-hmm. what his links are there? Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly what the risks are, what the, what the links are, but I think that Russia, uh, um, uh, you know, they needed to pump up the Russiagate uh in the best way they could, and I think that Browder is simply a very useful person to uh, whip up Russophobia in the West. He's he's perceived widely as a as an expert on Russia, you know. Uh, he's presented as such, and then these you know these friendly senators asking questions uh, where he says things with you know full 100% confidence where he can, you know, he goes into interpreting the mind of the Russians, the mind of Vladimir Putin, what they think, what their intentions are, what their, mm-hmm. what their agenda is and so forth. And uh, he's I'm not making stuff up. Anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he's completely, but, yeah, I think he's completely making stuff up, but he's not um, challenged on it. So may as well, you know. But that's perfect. That actually that probably suits the Russians very well to have someone like Browder inform Congress about the mind of Putin. Because you know he's gonna he's gonna tell them stuff that's completely wrong, and they're maybe gonna take action on it, and then you know uh, they're gonna shoot themselves in the foot probably. So I mean, right. these people don't. Right. It's yeah. kind of like you know, Dunning Kruger. These people don't know how stupid they are. You know, they think they're intelligent, but they're really actually quite stupid. Um, but uh, I, think, I, think I, I don't even know whether they're stupid or if they're cynical. You know, if if they yeah. if they know that what they're doing is wrong, but they're doing it anyway because it suits uh, whatever purpose uh, they care about. Mm-hmm. Well, they certainly haven't been able to predict very much of what Russia Russia has been doing over the past few years. You know, in terms of uh, global affairs or geopolitics, they seem to have uh, messed up uh, pretty badly. Um, specifically, let's say in, yeah. in Crimea uh, and Ukraine. And, um, and, in, and, in and in Syria, yeah, yeah, correct. But but, uh, but also, you know, like they uh, they they lost a, a hugely important ally in uh, in Turkey. You right. know, Turkey essentially has has uh, become uh, come on much much friendlier to. I'm not going to say become allied with Russia, but uh, Turkey has been moving in that direction. I think right. the same could be say said uh, to an extent uh, about Egypt as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qatar, um, you know, I Pakistan. think that, that these, uh, yes, as well, which is amazing in itself. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, all these shenanigans that they're doing, uh, the big, the big grotesque kabuki dance of of their geopolitics, is actually self-defeating. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, just on the fusion GPS thing, I think that the link between uh, between Browder and fusion GPS was that. They had been. They have uh, someone, or the U.S. government, or someone in the U.S. government used Fusion GPS to investigate uh, in advance of uh, the Magnitsky Act, in advance of passing that to, to collect some data to, to for on these uh, people that they were going to sanction all that kind of stuff. So this Fusion right. GPS group are very interesting. That was back in 2012, mm. and they pop up again in 2016, dishing dirt on on Russia again. So this has been yeah. going on for quite a long time, you know. Yeah, uh, well, and Actually, <clears throat> I think there's another connection, and that has to do with the um, um, the so you know the Russian lawyer that was at the the, the meeting with Trump Jr. and Kushner. Right, and right, Ford. right. And what I what I've uh, well, the picture that I've gleaned is that apparently Fusion GPS was hired by the law firm that was um, doing the 
um, the case against or the case for uh, Prevazon. Yeah, the, yeah, so that's, the, that's correct. Yeah, so they were actually that's looking right. for information to to against Bill Browder uh, at the same time, mm-hmm. and well, and it kind of, I mean, like um, groups like Fusion GPS, they're pretty much like mercenary, um, right. You know, intelligence equal opportunity. Right, they'll find dirt on anyone, um, right, which right. I find is interesting because Fusion GPS has a reputation for being just um, like ruthless in in its um, in the means and methods that they use to to go after their targets, um, just mm-hmm. completely like completely demonizing them in the press. So I find it interesting that that the, the, they're uh, you know they have Browder in their targets at least a little bit. So I don't know what they, right. if but, anything but to do with that. Yeah, they're equal opportunity kind of dirt diggers, but you notice that the dirt that they that they produce only only certain types of dirt gets promoted. You know, the stuff yeah. on 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 Browder that they might have discovered doesn't appear anywhere except uh, and uh, instead yeah, uh, the yeah, Russian right. demonization stuff gets out there. You know, and yeah. when they were when they were when they were going after Trump last year, they were also going after Clinton. You know, somebody had been yeah. uh, paying paying them to to look in, into Clinton, but we didn't hear anything about that really. You know, well, so far anyway. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but in your in in your book, maybe and and in, certainly in an article, a little short article you you recently read about your book being banned on CreateSpace, you you kind of made the point that you thought that that this that the Magnitsky Act was was uh, and, and what Browder's been doing since is very dangerous uh, in terms of launching this whole anti-Russian or Russia phobia, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Uh, campaign. Uh, uh, yeah. Well. Okay. So ultimately, that is that is uh, that is the very reason why I even wrote my book because um, I'm you know I I do other things in life. I don't. I'm not a you know I I, I I'm myself a hedge fund manager. I trade markets. I'm I'm kind of busy. You know. And the reason why this subject uh, became very interesting to me is exactly because I think it's uh, very very dangerous. I'm I'm Croatian. Uh, Originally, right? I grew up in Croatia. Um, uh, we had a war of secession in uh, 1991. Um, so Croatia used to be part of uh, Yugoslavia. It was, uh, it was one of the six uh, federal republics. And uh, throughout the 1980s, I remember I was a teenager at the time, uh, there were tensions, you know. Uh, Tensions between various republics and uh, and the center in Belgrade, and so you know uh, the political events are going towards um, let's call it decentralization of the country. So you know the center the center wanted to centralize it more tightly, and all the other all the republics wanted uh, more autonomy and freedom from the center. Uh, but you know, we I think that to the very last, uh, most people, uh, I certainly uh, among them, never believed that war was possible because he just thought that would be so crazy. Nobody wants war. Why would anybody want a shooting war between Croatia and Serbia and whoever? And so, um, and I think that. This mutual demonization that took uh, that, that 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 started between between the Serbs and Croats and the Slovenians and Muslims and so forth, I think that nobody took it quite so seriously to think that this could actually land us in a in the in a shooting war, but it did, 
And I think that even only days before the war broke out, I think if you poll the people, majority would say, no way, never is there going to be war here. And so when I looked at, at this relentless demonization of Russia in the West, uh, well, you know, my experience instructs me that this is kind of a build-up to war because when everybody is convinced that Russians are bad, that they're dangerous, that they are they're coming after us, that they are um, uh, there to blame for everything, for stolen elections, for Brexit, for mm -hmm. Catalonia, for everything that goes wrong, first it distracts people from the real problem, but second, it implants this idea that Russians are constantly plotting against us. Mm -hmm. And so, if people buy into this narrative, all it takes is a, a brazen enough false flag event to say, aha, look, now they really attacked us. And at that point, you know, you will have enough people who will be incensed, who will be ready to fight, and who will give their consent to... A military confrontation, and I think the military confrontation between Russia and the West would be would be devastating. And yeah, I think well, that the 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 uh, going back to uh, when I mentioned that Browder is part of this network uh, power network that actually pulled the strings in the West. I think that this is the very power network that would probably uh, probably has the most to gain out of a military confrontation between West and mm -hmm. Russia. So mm -hmm. they are pushing it in that direction. Browder is helping push things in this direction. He's on record stating that uh, his I the ideal outcome of his campaign would be a Cold War. Well, you know, from Cold War... You need a you false flag event to, to 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 move up to the to the hot war, mm -hmm. and so uh, it, it was for this reason that the whole Browder's whole, whole story to me has much much wider ramifications uh, and much more dangerous potential than just whether he got away with stealing so many million millions of dollars. I mean, who cares? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not important. The important is is how this plays out in all these Magnitsky things, in all this uh, constant demonization and the effect it has on the on the Western society. Because I see that even among the people who are well-educated, you know, speaking positively about Russia and about Putin mm -hmm. is difficult. You mm -hmm. know, you, you people people raise their eyebrows thinking it's like, well, you know, but he's a tyrant, but he's a, he kills his uh, opponents and journalists and so forth. So it seems that people are generally disposed to believe bad stories about Russia and about Putin. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is very dangerous for what might happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a good point. And I think you could even say that this, I mean, like Browder claimed that Putin went crazy when the Magnitsky Act was passed. Um, but I think it's uh, that's probably nonsense. And I think, as is the case I, with other sanctions, I, this doesn't really bother yeah. the Russians at all. And the people who are passing these sanctions, are that they have an ulterior motive. They know that they're not really going to hurt Russia that bad. But it's more in terms of uh, the knock-on effect or the propaganda effect of if we pass more sanctions against Russia, it spreads the message that Russia is still enemy yeah. number one of everybody yes. in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I think in real, and I think it also in reality, it undermines the 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 economic linkages between countries right. because you know like if 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 german companies french companies british companies polish companies and so forth do a lot of business in russia then you're going to have a lot of executives you're going to have a lot right. of employees who are going to think like no we don't want to have war this is this is right. we we have good business with russia why would we want to go to right. war whereas if you start to if you start to tear those bonds apart then mm. you know there's a, there's there's much less opposition to war uh, exactly. years down the line mm. Yeah, and even the, even the, those economic ties would involve direct personal ties between Europeans and Russians, and they would get to know exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah, much, yeah, yeah, Much exactly. harder to people, demonize. People them. get to know each other. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Alex, one of the, one of the things um, about your book that I think goes some way to, if not remedying the situation, then at least providing um, a different viewpoint to to offer to people, um, to basically you know let them know what's really going on is the two chapters you've gotten there. One is the last chapter um, that talks about the history of uh, U.S.-Russian relations going back like 200 years. And the other one is just a, a short chapter about Putin himself. And I think that when when you present basically the facts and um, the facts about the last, how what, 17 years um, with Putin in charge of Russia in some form or another as president or prime minister, you get an idea of the kind of man he really is and what uh what he's really done for russia so maybe to uh, um to close out the show maybe could you talk a bit about um what putin has done you know in the last 17 years to really um change you know what the way russia was especially in the 90s and maybe just a bit about um putin himself and why you know all those stories we read in the news are just you know a bunch of hot air uh yeah well uh <laughs> You know, Putin has a, a truly impressive track record in uh, how he has, uh, how his government has managed to reform Russia since 2000 when he came into power. And basically, uh, when he came into power, he took a lawless uh, state, which was one of the most corrupt countries in the world, on the verge of coming apart at the seams. There were, there were, there were regions and republics that were. Ignoring the the laws passed uh, in Moscow, they were not even sending uh, uh, tax receipts to the to the federal federal treasuries. The local governments who completely ignored the dictate from the from the center and so forth, and uh, um, wars against against uh, Islamists in uh, Dagestan and uh, Chechnya. Which, which were not going very well for Russia at the, at the, at the time when he, when, when Vladimir Putin came into power as a prime minister in 1999. And so he managed to, uh, preserve Russia as a, as a unitary country. But more importantly, he has, uh, his government has led a dramatic improvement in Russian standard of living. So they're, uh, uh their demographics have improved, their economy has improved something like tenfold. Uh, their debt to GDP uh, fell from uh, 140% to something like 16 or 17% by 90. So uh, public debt to GDP went from 140% in, 19, in the early 1990s 
to uh, I think uh, at the moment we're talking about 16 or 70 percent which is amazing because most of the Western nations are well above 100 uh, percent public debt to GDP. Uh, Russian economy has not only grow, grown, it has diversified uh, dramatically. It's, 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 it's simply a, um, a, a country that, that's, that's steadily catching up with the West in, in terms of technology, in terms of all kinds of advancements uh, and diversification. Um, a Russian life expectancy, uh, which fell to low 60s, uh, at the end of uh, Boris Yeltsin years, has increased to, I think, 72 or 73 years on average, which is higher than ever for uh, for the Russian population, higher, high, uh, highest number in their whole history. Um, Russian people report uh, higher levels of happiness than ever in their history since since the since these statistics have been measured. Um, they report uh, that they are content with the freedom to uh, decide how to live their lives and how to how to advance. Um, and something like, depending on which which polling organization you ask, but like uh, between 60 and 70 percent of Russians uh, say that they approve the way the country is being run. Uh, Vladimir Putin's own. Uh, um, job approval ratings are between 80 and 90 percent and the russian confidence in vladimir putin is something like 60 percent so people trust him people who are there who live under his under his government who feel on their skin uh, the measures that their government is taking they are content so the picture we get in the west uh, is obviously distorted and biased disfavoring putin and then, you know, you have uh, intellectuals in the West who like to say that Russians deserve much better and that they should have a better pluralistic government, blah, blah, blah. I, mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's ridiculous. I, I again, can, can use the example of Croatia to tell you that, um, okay, so 20-some uh, years ago, we were a, a socialist republic of uh, Yugoslavia that had one party rule, which was a communist party. And today we have um, parliamentary democracy kind of copy-pasted from Western nations, mostly uh, Germany and, uh, and, uh, and the UK. Mm. And I can tell you that uh, the place has deteriorated dramatically. It is much, much mm. worse. Life is much worse for most people today than it was uh, before before the wars and while we were living in the communist system. I have no nostalgia for the communist for for the communist system. It was rotten. At, it's a, it was it, it was rotten as well, and it was going to implode on itself. Uh, it, it was a question of time. It was a question mm. of uh, when, not if. But uh, we have taken a big big step for the worst with with this uh, Western parliamentary democratic system that we have imported and so you know if today Russia has uh, an authoritarian government uh, with a strong presidency where Vladimir Putin essentially rules the place uh, as, a, as a sovereign 
so what? If it works for most people, then it's a good mm-hmm. thing. And today, I live in uh, in Monaco, which is a principality which is run by by a sovereign prince. Again, it's not a democracy, and I can also tell you that life here is much much better than it is uh, in 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 most um, democratic countries in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think that if if we if if we take the maxim that uh, you should judge people by their deeds, not by how people uh, describe them in their in their through the rumor mill and through 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 gossip. Uh, then we have to acknowledge that Vladimir Putin has done a very 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 good job. In in fact, it's very difficult to to think of another leader who has who has presided over more impressive transformation of a society for the better. Mm. Have you have you been to Russia? Um, uh, yeah, I have. I've been. I've been twice. I've been twice. I've mm. been once in 2006. Uh, it was a semi-business trip, um, which didn't pan out, so it wasn't very successful. But you know, I saw. I saw Russia. I saw Moscow and and the surroundings in 2006. And uh, I went again in uh, in the summer of 2015 to Saint Petersburg uh, on mm. my own. I just went. I, I enrolled myself in. Uh, in a full, full immersion course of Russian language, and I did that because I just basically wanted to go there and 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 kind of get the feel for the place, not not as a tourist. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you stay in a hotel, it's it kind of every country looks about the same. Mm-hmm. You always get the same things. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, live in uh, rent a room in somebody's uh, a local family's uh, apartment. Mm-hmm. Commute, commute to school on a daily basis. Uh, interact with with the with the teachers, with the students, and so forth, and just have a little taste of that life. And uh, I I enjoyed it. You know, you could, uh, mm-hmm. my sen- my sense of the place is that I could have been in any Western city. Uh, it's a, it's it's just simply said, it's a normal place. But the the what I saw is not normal. If I compare it to um, to cities in the West, is that I didn't see any homeless people in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see any beggars. Um, I didn't see mm-hmm. very many. Uh, I didn't see very many obese people. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, yeah, the only obese people that I saw were actually Western tourists. Mm-hmm. So you know. Did- um, did I think get that a, in some ways, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, did you get a chance, uh, we have a question, we have a chat room going here uh, of listeners, and one of them has asked, did you get a sense about the kind of influence of on the spiritual manifestation of religion in Russia, or uh, have you any opinion on that okay. uh, since Putin came I, to I, 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 that's a great question, and I have to tell you, I'm 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 very very curious about that aspect. I unfortunately did not get any sense of that. Uh, I would like to learn about that myself because I have a, I have the you know I'm 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 half half Serbian half Croatian by my mm-hmm. uh, my background. So one side of my family was Orthodox, the other side was Catholic. Um, wow. I kind of never learned about it to actually be able to tell you anything. Uh, because because maybe the the whole the whole religion aspect was uh, was 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 um, scrubbed mm-hmm. out of our culture. 
to a good extent. But I, I, I have the sense that there's something profoundly important in that dimension of, of social life, and I would like to know more about it. I just mm. haven't had a chance to, uh, to learn. Mm. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think that's as good as a good as as good a place as any to uh, call it quits for today. Um, so, thank you once again, Alex, for coming on the show. Uh, for our listeners, um, the book is "The Killing of William Browder: Deconstructing Bill Browder's Dangerous Deception." <clears throat> and as you know, while you can't find it on Amazon, uh, we've got links to it in the show description um, where Alex has provided uh, the PDF. So. Until uh, until his website comes online, um, you can follow those. Links. Yeah, and with the with the website, there's going to be a different title. We decided to change the title to uh, uh, the Browder hoax, uh, the Grand Deception, something like that. Oh, great! So mm-hmm. It won't be it won't go under the same title anymore because just in case somebody's uh, somebody finds the world killing in the title uh, controversial, yeah. but mm-hmm. the content remains unchanged. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, it was my pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. It was uh, it was uh, it was enjoyable. Great. And um, you. if you've got a few minutes, uh, Alex, can you stay on the line, and we'll we'll just chat oh, for a little bit yes, after, yes. after the outro. Okay, sure, so, sure. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we'll see you again next week. Everyone, take care. <laughs>